Hello and welcome to ASA Reads. Today we'll be reading five ghost stories from Reddit. Story 1 Our old house was haunted. About ten years ago, my boyfriend at the time had gotten a house. He was barely moved in but I stayed the night one night. We'd gotten into an argument so I slept on the couch. I was laying there and all of a sudden it sounded like every single cupboard in the kitchen slammed. My boyfriend, who slept upstairs, said he didn't hear it. I ended up moving in with him, but I always had this creepy feeling from the little crawl space door that was in our closet. It would just be open sometimes, even though we would make sure it was latched, and we never actually went in because it was just a bunch of loose insulation, and it got really hot in there. Anyway, two other incidents really stuck in my mind. Once I was looking everywhere for my perfume, I always kept all of my perfume and deodorant on top of the dresser, so it should have been there. The specific one I wanted to wear that day was just gone. I looked in the bathroom, just in case I'd forgotten I'd already used it. Nowhere to be found. This was during warmer months, because I always wore flip-flops. Well, a couple of weeks later, I needed some socks, so I opened up my sock drawer. My missing perfume was in the middle of the drawer, in just an empty circle, and the socks were surrounding it. I asked my boyfriend and he said he didn't do it, which I believed because he was never really a prankster, so my mind was just blown. Now comes the most terrifying incident. My boyfriend worked on semi-trucks and would have to go out in the middle of the night, sometimes on a call for someone being broken down. I couldn't tell you what time it was, but he got a call and he was pissed because we were both sleeping. So he got up and left. I just laid there trying to get back to sleep. I'd say about 20 minutes passed and all of a sudden I heard a man's voice yelling from the bottom of the stairs. It was not my boyfriend's voice so I immediately froze up. I will always remember what he said too. He said, woman, what are you doing? I closed my eyes and was so scared. I didn't know what to do. We only had one set of stairs so if someone was in the house, I would have to jump out of a two-story window. So I just lay there hoping I was hearing things or dreaming since I was half asleep. About a minute passed and suddenly I felt a rush of air on my face, almost like a high-powered fan had been switched on. It was quick and the voice was right in front of me and it said, Are you scared now? And it gave an evil little laugh after. I have had multiple paranormal occurrences throughout my life at various locations, but this was by far the scariest thing that I have ever experienced. Story 2 The Man at the End of the Hall Many years ago my family was getting back from vacation and when we got home my brother took the car and headed out with his girlfriend. Since we had just gotten home from a long trip my mother decided to do a load of laundry. She began heading upstairs with a small basket of clothes and as she left the laundry room she saw a tall dark figure standing at the end of the hallway Terrified, she ran upstairs and as soon as she reached the top step, she got a call. My brother had gone into an accident and the ambulance was on its way. A few days later, after surgery and some recovery, my brother and his girlfriend were talking to us about what happened and he said, Mom, I saw you at the crash. Confused, my mum asked what he meant and he said, I saw you at the end of the hallway. You had the laundry basket in your hands. The night my brother crashed, he rolled his car down a hill and blacked out for a moment with a concussion. He crawled out of the car 
His girlfriend ran to him and hugged him. He didn't remember where he was until he heard the ambulance headed down the road. As he turned his head to look at it, his already broken neck gave out and he was resuscitated at the seam. He was dead for almost a full minute. In that time, he went home and saw my mum describe the clothes, the hair, the laundry she was holding. It was insane. He made a full recovery and hasn't crashed a car since, although he's still an idiot driver. Story 3. A Walk to Remember This is my dad's story. It's something he experienced as a young boy in Mexico City. My father is originally from a small ranch in San Luis. He had a really rough childhood. He endured abuse and really extreme poverty, which led him to run away from home at the age of 12 to Mexico City. He was searching for a better life and a means to support himself. He found a job at a bread factory. He was all on his own going to work and living in a type of boarding house with other young men. He did live in a dangerous part of town where he had to catch the train to and from work. He had to cross a long road infamous for its murders and kidnappings. One night after getting out late he was really tired and had to cross this dangerous road in order to get to his train. Before starting his journey, an older woman warned him about the dangers he may encounter. She reminded him of the murders and the kidnappings. My dad was really tired and just wanted to get home. He told her he was going to walk down the road regardless of the uncertainties. As he started walking, he met up with a man and his young son. My dad thought to himself, how odd for a father to have his boy walking with him this late at night as it was around 2am. The man started a conversation with my dad. The man mentioned the dangers of the road and told my dad, well, there's three of us, so no one will mess with us. They continued to talk about trivial things and my dad went on and on during his conversation. As he approached the train station, he noticed he was no longer accompanied by his new male friend and his son. They had completely vanished. My father looked everywhere for them. They were still deep into conversation and just like that, they were gone. Looking back, my father believes the man and the boy were spirits, protecting him from the dangers that he could have encountered on that road. They made themselves visible to make it appear as if he was not alone. He reassures me it is a walk that he will ne never forget. Story 4. My Ouija Board Experience Today I wanted to share one of my experiences with the famous Ouija Board with you. When you're interested in the occult and the paranormal, this is something you will stumble over someday. Over the years, I've tried it a few times, but mostly nothing happened. There were a few moments where it actually worked, and there was one that was really special. Before I begin with the story, I want to mention that the Ouija board isn't a toy. Many people try it for fun, as they think it's a game, but regardless of whether you believe in such stuff or not, never do a Ouija session unprepared. It happened six years ago when I was 17. It was Halloween and my girlfriend and me attended a Halloween party. We had a lot of fun there and it became very late so a few people had the idea to try out a Ouija session. Someone had brought a board to the party. My aunt would have been angry with me because you always should do a Ouija session with a clear mind. It would be a bad idea to do it when you're drunk but being drunk wasn't our only mistake. 
Again, when you're doing a Ouija session, always be prepared. You don't know what you could bring into this world and it could be dangerous. But let's go back to the main story. In the end, we were six people that wanted to try it. My girlfriend and me, three other ladies and a guy that I will call Norman for this story. The Ouija board belonged to Norman, but he had not tried it before. We went into a quiet room so the other guests couldn't disrupt us. So we were sitting in this room which was only lighted by two phones and we thought that it would be the fun of our lives. I don't know anymore how long we were sitting in this room and yelled questions against the board. Two of the three girls became bored and decided to go back to the party. That is also a big mistake. You should never break the circle when you're doing Ouija. Well, in the end, there was just Norman, the other girl, my girlfriend and me, who tried to summon a ghost. We asked questions again and again, and then something happened. When Norman asked for the hundredth time if someone is there, the planchette began to move slowly. We'd done it. We'd finally connected something. Norman then asked who the presence is that was in the room with us, and we got a name, Luca. Norman was very happy that something was happen happening and he went on to talk to Luca. A few moments later we found out that Luca was a little eight-year-old boy. At this point I got a bad feeling. My grandpa was a dermatologist and did researches with the paranormal and occult things like ghosts, demons and other things to find out more about it. In his notes he mentioned that evil entities like demons often like to disguise themselves as children because they seem harmless. And so was Luca, harmless and friendly like a little child. Norman had a lot of fun talking to the boy, but soon the other girl and my girlfriend also noticed that something was odd. The whole atmosphere of the room was just bad. Then one of the phones broke. It belonged to my girlfriend and was brand new, only a few weeks old. I said to Norman that it would be best if we stopped this, but he didn't listen. After a while, we didn't get right answers anymore. The planchette just moved to random numbers or letters that didn't seem to make any sense. Also, a weird sweet smell came up in the room. It didn't smell good. It was a disgusting type of sweet. I remembered what my aunt told me about the Ouija sessions and the answers you can get. When the answers to your questions don't make any sense, then you should stop immediately because the thing you called is mocking you at this point and it could be stupid to go on. Finally, Norman also decided that we should end this because he was annoyed. But you just can't go and leave the board there. You have to ask the entity you're talking with if you can stop the session. But every time we asked, the planchette was moving to no. And something like that can be a huge problem. The thing was mocking us and we became a bit afraid. Norman and the other girl wanted to go, but they could be persuaded to stay a bit longer. Luca's game took longer than we would like. Every time he responded just with no or senseless letter number combinations. But finally he responded with yes and we could say goodbye. It was a truly bizarre experience how the atmosphere changed after that. It wasn't threatening anymore and also the smell was gone. The girl left without a word to us and Norman was very scared after that whole experience. Days after that I saw Norman again. He didn't look very good like he was sick. We talked a bit and he told me that he'd got rid of the Ouija board. He said that he had terrible nightmares after that and he always has the feeling like someone's watching him. He felt like he was better without the board. 
This was the only Ouija session I had where something like that had happened. The other ones were pretty harmless. Interesting, but not that spectacular. And hopefully, Luca the little boy is back where he belongs. Story 5 My Brother's Haunting Before I tell my story, I'd like to let you guys know that I am not a man of religion. From my point of view, every video, photograph or audio recording has a logical explanation. The only reason I keep my interest in the paranormal is because of the strange things I experienced in my childhood. Things that have recently seeped its way back into my life. I started out the first three years of my life homeless. It was just me, my brother and my mum. My parents split up right after I was born and neither of them could afford a house by themselves. My dad lived in his car and my mum lived at various places for a while. Cheap holiday resorts that would help families in need, relatives and shelters, they would be our go-to. My mum always made sure that my brother and I never realised the situation we were in. We were on a holiday, she would tell us. In the, Le in the Netherlands, it wasn't weird that homeless families would stay in places like centre parks outside of holiday season. I only found out about the whole thing when she opened up about it many years later. After three years, my mum was assigned a flat in Rotterdam. It wasn't much, but we called it home. My dad had a place for himself as well, and we started spending time with him again. My mum hated the idea, but he was still our dad. We would see him on weekends, and we were living with our mums for the rest of the time. From that point, it was a pretty normal life. Birthdays, game nights, playdates with other kids, life was good. After a while, my mum started having trouble sleeping. She would sit on the couch in the middle of the night, just staring into blank space. One night I got out of bed to get some water and she was standing in the middle of the hallway. Motionless, she looked at my direction. It was the first time I was overcome with fear because of her behaviour. She would sometimes break down and think that people would come and take everything away again. I think the memories of her own childhood and years of being homeless with two kids finally got the better of her. It scared me at first but eventually it was a normal routine. I would hear noises coming from the living room and a few sobs every now and then and it was heartbreaking. Fast forward three years, I was sleeping and something woke me up. I expected to hear my mum in the living room but it was quiet. I tried to focus on the sounds I heard and all of a sudden a white shade shot from the bed and grabbed my throat. It was only for a moment but it was enough to send me crying out in my room. Can you blame me? I'm a grown man now but I think my reaction would be quite similar if it would happen to me again tonight. My mum ran from her bedroom and held me in her arms. I cried that something was trying to hurt me. The good mother that she is, she told me that it was just a bad dream and that I could sleep in her bed that night so I could feel safe. I was scared shitless but tired enough to fall asleep. The next day, my brother came into my mum's room and saw me lying there. He asked me, oh, did it hurt you too? We were really young, but I remember that sentence as if it was yesterday. In the following years, we would experience similar things. The idea that someone would hide in the corner, books would fall from bookshelves, my mum being weird at night. It became normal for me, but my brother just couldn't take it anymore. He wanted to live with my dad because he no longer felt safe in this house. 
This destroyed my mother. Her nightly cries made a comeback, but this time she wasn't in a trance. It was a hard time, but for some reason the activity seemed to calm down. No longer did I feel like I was being watched at night. I can only describe the feeling as calm. Time went by and I would spend more time at my dad's place. I made some friends there and I had a stepbrother I got along with quite well. It wasn't long until I started to notice weird things happening. Lights would go on at night, TV would shut off and turn back on a few minutes later. I told my brother about it because I thought he was messing with me. He said that whatever was haunting us in our old house had followed him here. I laughed because I didn't believe in ghosts anymore. I was older now and I started rationalising a lot of things that had happened in my past. My brother, on the other hand, didn't laugh with me. He told me that friends stayed the night, they would go home before the night was over because they were scared. Some told my brother that they saw a face just a few inches from their own when they opened their eyes. Some would see a figure standing in the doorway. According to my brother, things got a lot worse when he left home. I asked his friends and unfortunately they confirmed it. I could not help but feel a little bit paranoid after that. It seemed that everywhere my brother would go, he would take this weird stuff with him. Eight years later, he finally got a serious relationship after he bought his first apartment. It could be unrelated, but I think he just didn't want to live alone. It was the first time he didn't have anyone near, and given what he had went through his whole life, I couldn't blame him. They soon had children and bought a nice family house together. As far as I know, he didn't experience any strange activity during the last six years. Unfortunately, bad news would strike him again, but this time it would be considered paranormal. In 2019, he was di diagnosed with colorectal cancer. They caught it early, so he would have a piece of his colon removed. The entire second half of 2019 would be filled with fear, but we were hopeful. He had his surgery in February of 2020 and was no longer in any real danger. I wanted to look him up, but life had another trick up its sleeves. A worldwide pandemic. I couldn't see him for months out of fear that he would catch COVID. After the year he had had, I wasn't taking any chances. Then came last week. I finally got to see my brother five months after his surgery. I wanted to keep the conversation light, but our good friend Johnny had other plans. I asked him what it was like to be in the situation he was in. He told me he thought a lot about death, but the chances of him dying were extremely small. You just never know if the disease has spread or not. He wondered if, it was, if there was really an afterlife. What would happen to him when he died? He then started talking about all the things that happened in the past and came up with a lot of reasonable theories. How the white shade was something I hallucinated and the fear of it took my breath. How friends possibly heard stories and become paranoid when they were having a sleepover. It felt good that we were laughing about it. We eventually said our goodbyes and I got in the car. I saw his arm waving in between the curtains while I drove off. This was funny to me because we would always make fun of my dad and stepmother when they would stand in front of their house waving us goodbye like some sort of cheesy Christmas special. I texted him about when I got home. Did you really just wave me goodbye? You're starting to look like dad. Five minutes after my text, I got a call from my brother. He sounded frightened over the phone when he asked what I meant. 
When he closed the door that night, his kids started crying. He went upstairs to calm him down right after I left. His voice sounded scared and desperate when he told me that he never waved me goodbye. The reasonable side of me tells me that it was a trick of the light, but deep down inside me I'm having a different feeling. Was everything that we experienced as kids real? Did something really haunt my little brother wherever he went? Was this thing mocking me by waving me goodbye? I just hope that there's nothing more than a series of coincidences. Thank you for listening to ESA Reads. We hope you'll join us in our next video where we'll look at another five scary stories. Until then, I hope you have a wonderful day and I hope you're not too scared to sleep tonight.